Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all this morning. We've been um, working our way through a series on More Than Conquerors, which finished up last weekend. And this week, we're going to start a new series on the theme of prayer, which is great timing, because the bombers are playing Calgary this afternoon. So we need all the help we can get. (laughs) We're going to have a season of prayer and days of fasting in January. And leading up to that, we want to talk about prayer, what it is, how we can pray, how we can grow in prayer, and hopefully inspire you and equip you to be part of that prayer so that when we get together to pray in January, uh, we'll have times of prayer like we've never had before, that God will raise the bar with us all in this area of prayer, whether it's personally or whether it's together corporately. I can tell you where I was. I was in a youth group 40 years ago. My memory is not very good, but I can remember some bits and pieces of things over the years. And I was in a youth group 40 years ago uh, on a retreat at a place called Ellesmere Port, somewhere near Manchester. And during the retreat, we were worshipping together, uh, like Christian youth groups do. Uh, I must have been around uh, probably 15, something like that. And... I really can't remember much else of what happened in and out of church life. For those of us who've been in church since the day we were born, um, I could probably remember very few sermons from that early years and very few things of what happened. But I remember this moment. I can remember it now as if I was right there. So we're in worship and the worship had died down. It was that quiet moment and, you know, what's going to happen next? And we were just waiting on the Lord. and, And a gal across from me called Audrey, who was about three or four years older than I was, started to read a scripture. And when she read this scripture, it just gripped me. So in the midst of that time of worship and waiting on God, she suddenly started to speak out from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, which is our text for this morning. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. And in the middle of that room, something gripped my heart. There was hope that gripped my heart. You mean that if we pray, God will do powerful nation-changing things. And that's what that scripture is saying. He can heal a nation when his people will pray. And it gripped my heart and I've never lost it. And we want to look at that scripture this morning. So follow it through with me as well if you've got a Bible or I've got it on this PowerPoint behind me out of the English Standard Version. I'm just going to read a few verses on either side and then the verse that I just read to you out of two Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 7. We're going to begin to read at verse 12. It says this, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. God said in the Old Testament and Jesus reiterated it in the New Testament that he wanted his house to be a house of prayer. A house of prayer for all nations. And that's what God is looking for in his people. And so today I want to talk out of that scripture about what makes for powerful praying. Where does that power in prayer come from? We want to look at who prays powerful prayers. We want to look at what are the four conditions of powerful praying. And then finally, what happens when we pray powerful prayers? Ten years after Audrey read that message, uh, I was part of a church plant in a little part in the north of England where I was beginning to teach. Mid-twenties or so, was a teacher during the day in a public school. And this thing of prayer gripped us. We don't know quite where it came from, but we suddenly wanted to pray. And we'd get up early in the morning. We would pray um, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, sometimes all the way through the week till Sundays and start again the following Monday. We'd go down to an old community center by the docks, run down community center. We'd pull out an old Calagas stove and light it and huddle around it. And we'd pray our prayers to the Lord, asking God to do something in our land and in the place where God had put us in this place of Dunstan. We had no idea what was going to happen. And we did not realize that it was the mid-1980s and there was a prayer movement actually going on all around the world. And God was causing his people to pray in a whole new way. Well, by the end of 1987, we saw God begin to break through. And in the Christmas season of 1987, our little congregation over doubled in size with people getting saved. We had about 40 people saved in one month over that December of 1987. We had a man and his wife came. They gave the heart to Jesus. And then this brother who had an alcohol problem and never thought he was going to get out of it. He came and he gave his life to Jesus and God rescued him out of his alcohol problem. And then he brought his wife and his wife got saved. And then they brought their next door neighbors, a, a lady who lived with her very disabled son and uh, her brother and her mother. And they came and they got saved. And then the people across the street, another family, single mom and her kids, and they got saved. And suddenly we had a cell group in a neighborhood we'd never been in before of people who were brand new Christians because God was breaking through. And it continued to happen a few years later. um, The local area built a brand new community center. And we as a church moved in there and we started to have our services in the brand new community center. And we were enjoying that place. It was a great building. But over the years, the civic area, they ran out of money. And so they came to the church and they handed the keys of the community center over to the church and said, would you run the community center? The building's yours. They've been running it as a church community center now for a number of years. And just recently, they came to them again and wanted to give them the next community center in the next community down the, uh, around the valley from where they are. This thing of prayer is powerful. And when God's people pray, God hears and answers from heaven. 
It's a powerful thing. So let's look together at how we can pray powerful prayers. First of all, who prays powerful prayers? Who prays these life-changing and nation-changing prayers? Well, let's look at the context of what Solomon and God were talking about here as they had their discussion in the middle of the night. Solomon had just dedicated the temple. They'd finished it, and they dedicated it to the Lord, and they prayed over it. And while he was praying over the temple, Solomon started to pray about God listening to the prayers of his people in generations to come. Solomon wanted to make sure that it wasn't just his generation to pray, but the next generation would pray and the next generation and the next generation. And so he prays to God and says, listen, Lord, can you, if the people here, if your people here turn to you in prayer, will you hear them? Whether it's in battle or there's famine in the land or there's trouble or whatever. If they pray to you, Lord, would you listen? So he's asking about the people of God. He's asking about the people of Israel. That if Israel turned to the Lord, would God listen? And God said yes. Which, because God cannot change like shifting shadows, still means that if Israel turns to the Lord and prays, will God listen? Yes, he will. But in that prayer, Solomon prayed an interesting prayer because he didn't just pray for the people of Israel as God's people. He said also, and for the foreigners, Lord, the foreigners who want to come and be part of your people. Will you listen to their prayer too? And God is saying, yes, listen to their prayer too. We're part of that. We're all part of the family of God together. And God listens and hears our prayers. But if you and I were to ask, who is it? that prays powerful prayers, we would automatically start thinking about, well, they must be priests or prophets or, or maybe they're uh, people whose lives are, are really sorted out and they're living righteous lives and holy lives and they're good people and everything is right in their life. They're the people who pray powerful prayers. But if you read the context, it's really quite stunning because God is saying to Solomon the exact opposite. Let me read it to you. He says, Solomon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people because they are sinning so badly. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. God will answer. What sort of people pray powerful prayers? God's people? Yes. Foreigners that join themselves to God's people? Yes. But people whose lives have gone on a downward slide. Christian lives that have gone on a downward slide. These people got into places and Solomon knew that it was happening. He was the wisest man on the face of the earth. He knew what was going to come. These people were going to end up in some really badly backslidden places. And they really were. But he cries out to God and he says, God, if they get right to the end of themselves, right down into the pit of being as far away from you and what you have for their lives as possible. And if they're living lives that are nothing to do with the sort of lives that you want them to live, even if they're in that bad of a place. If they call upon your name, will you listen? And God says, even if they're in that bad of a place, if they call on my name, I will will listen. 
Isn't that wonderful? Wherever we're at today, you might not even know Jesus. You know the most powerful prayer you can pray is a prayer of salvation. To ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you and to bring you into eternal life with him. Your eternal destiny could change right now with a simple, powerful prayer. And do you have to be perfect to pray that prayer? No. You could be all over the map. But if you will turn your heart to the Lord and you will pray that prayer, God will hear and answer. Those are the sorts of people who pray powerful prayers, which means we all can. We all can pray powerful, nation-changing prayers. Isn't God good? What are the four conditions for, power, for powerful praying? Let's take a look at that. What did God say to Solomon? If my people, he says, who are called by my name will humble themselves. Even before he talks about praying, God talks about humbling themselves. The word for humble means to subdue, to conquer. It's the word that is used in the Old Testament when you read about one army conquering another or subduing another. It's the same word. And it means to bring somebody to the end of their resources, the end of their strength. They cannot fight back. They've got nothing in them to fight back with. They're right at their wit's end. And they've got nothing of their own resources to bring to the battle. And God says to Solomon, if my people who are called by my name will get to the end of themselves and pray. Will humble themselves. Stop trying to do things in their own strength. Stop trying to do things out of their own passions and their own will and, and, and their own desires, their own drive. And if they begin to realize you can't change a nation with your own drive and your own passion, it doesn't matter how passionate you are. And it doesn't mean we stop doing good things because we should do good things, but only the good things that come from the place of prayer. Because it starts with us humbling ourselves. This morning I was um, at home. Um, and I'd been preparing the sermon and doing some work in the middle of the night. I went back to bed early hours of the morning. And if you may not know, but three weeks ago, I wasn't in church three or four weeks ago because I was in the emergency at St. Boniface. And I had a, a heart that was racing and boom, 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 boom. And it happens every now and again to me. And when it does, um, you know, it goes on for three, four, five hours sometimes. And I, I just can't function. I mean, I, I just get dizzy if I stand up and whatever. So I just have to lie down and wait for it to stop. Seems to have been getting worse over the last little while. So I did the sermon this morning. I um, went back to bed. Um, and then at about uh, just before seven o'clock this morning, boom, like I was woken with a jolt. My whole body sh jolted like that. And then my heart, boom, 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 like that, pounding in my chest. I thought, oh, Lord, I really don't want to go back to St. Boniface Hospital this morning. <laughs> Not because they're not great people and can't help me, but I really felt like God had given me this word. And I said, Lord, I, I, so anyway, I start praying. I start doing what I know how to do. I thought, okay, you know, sometimes it helps to get up and have something to eat and whatever. So I went downstairs and, and I'm walking around the kitchen praying in tongues and asking the Lord for help. And it's boom, 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 boom. So I thought, okay, I need to get some help. So I got on texting and asked some of the guys to pray with me. And Ron and Ken texted back and said they were praying. And instantly felt, good, thank you, Lord. They're praying with me. Keep going, boom, boom, boom. Still wasn't, nothing changing. 
gradually I began to feel fainter and fainter and fainter. I thought, I've got to go and sit down before I fall down. So I went and sat down on the couch and, and I lay down on the couch and I put my glasses on the side table next to me. I said, Lord, I can do nothing else. I've done everything I need to do. I, I, I know how to do. And I, I'm, I'm just wasted. I can't do anything else. I'm just at the liberty or the, uh, the mercy of those people who are praying in you. And instantly my heart went boom, 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 back to normal. It's just like that. Never happened before. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Because prayer begins when we get to the end of ourselves and our own strength and what we can do. You know, God can do so much more through prayer than he can through our sweat and our labor. And it's not that we shouldn't work. But let's do what God tells us in the place of prayer. But let's start with prayer. Catherine Marshall, an author and prayer warrior, wrote, Admittance to the school of prayer is by an entrance test with only two questions. The first one is, are you in real need? The second is, do you admit that you are helpless to handle that need? Now you're ready to pray. Are you in real need this morning? Some of those needs just totally outside, they're too big for you. You're helpless in that place of need. You've just entered the school of prayer. Bring it to the Lord and see what he will do. And I know many of you do. The second condition for powerful praying, the first is humility. The second is praying. It's a bit obvious, but there it is. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. There's no powerful prayers if you don't pray. If you want a powerful prayer, then pray. It's a good place to start. But Solomon is not just talking about individual prayer here. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. In other words, it's great to pray individually, and it is. There's power in individual prayer. But God is encouraging Solomon to encourage the people to pray and to pray together. That's where it meant for them to come to all this one place and to pray, which was the temple in those days. Now we can come together and we can join together in prayer. And I want to encourage us to grow in corporate praying, not just individual praying, but corporate praying. Come out to our prayer summits. We'd love to have you there. Learn how to pray and pray together. It's powerful to pray together. If you're not part of a cell group, every cell group gets a prayer list uh, each week to pray through. That prayer list is the best way of staying up to date with what's happening in the church, with the expansion and all those things. Go and pray together. And if you're not part of a cell group, talk to me or one of the pastors. We'd love to help you with that afterwards to get you into a cell group so you're in a place where you can pray. But it's good for us to pray together. And Jesus understood that. Do you realize that the Lord's prayer is not a personal prayer? When the disciples said, teach us how to pray, Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from it. It's a corporate prayer. Jesus taught them how to pray together, not just on their own. Second condition of powerful prayer praying together. The third condition for powerful praying is alignment. What do I mean by that? 
Well, look what it says here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What does it mean to seek the face of God? There's a lot of things you can say about that. You could preach a number of sermons on that. But I think at its most basic, in its simplest form, it means this. God, we want what you want. What's going to put a smile on your face, God? That's what we want. We're all facing decisions here, one way or another. We're not staying where we are right now. In not too distant future, some of us will be moving to Colsbeck across the tracks there, continuing to minister in the community here and reach out to the community here. Some of us are going to be going over the Red River to West St. Paul and reaching not just into northwest Winnipeg, but out into the thousands of people, the hundreds of homes that live north of the perimeter, up towards places like Selkirk and, uh, and Stonewall. And we need to be working with the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, where, what is it that you want me to do in this? We could be asking what's best for me, what's closest, what's best for my family, what's best for my children, all those sorts of questions. And they're good questions. We need to take care of those things. But the bottom line is this. Lord, where do you want me to be? Some of us wouldn't be in Winnipeg if it was just about our own choice. As great as a place as it is. And I love it here. But where does God want you to be? And go where God takes you. That's what it means to seek the face of God. What do you want, Lord, regardless of my preferences? And the fourth thing, condition for powerful praying. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked way. What does that mean? It means repentance. That's a word that means turning away from our sin and the wrong things we're doing and turning back to God. Repentance. And God's saying that if his people will turn from their wicked ways, then he will hear them. And so for them, it became very practical. It meant we're going to take out the wooden gods that we've got in our home that we bow down to every now and again, and we're going to get rid of them. It means we're going to stop marrying people that are not part of the family of God. It means that we're going to start looking after the poor and the widow and the orphan and the foreigner. It was very practical for them. What did it mean to turn from their wicked ways? I wonder what it is for us. We don't like to think of our ways as wicked, but I've got wicked ways in me. Prideful, arrogance, selfishness, self-preservation. I can get jealous. I can get offended. Are you like me? What sort of things in our lives would we need to turn away from in order to pray powerful prayers? Because some of those things, all of those things, hinder those prayers to some degree. And again, God isn't looking for us to be absolutely perfect. Do you remember that passage in James where James says, do you remember Elijah? He was a man just like us, Elijah. He was a bit of a manic depressive, really, a bit up and down, bipolar. He was very wonderfully happy some days. Everything was wonderful up on the mountaintop. And the next minute, he's right down in the dumps, and it's poor me, and I'm having a miserable life. And where is God? And I'm all alone. That's who Elijah was. Massive mood swings. Of course, none of us are like that, just our children, right? We're not like that at all. 
And James says, Elijah was a man just like us. But when he prayed that God would shut up the heavens, that it would not rain, it did not rain for three years. Man, just like you and me. Let's not put these people on pedestals so high that we think, I can't pray prayers like that. He's a man just like you or me. And he prayed powerful prayers. Prayer is powerful. And when we pray, God answers. So to our final question, what happens when we pray these powerful prayers? And just quickly, I'm going to give you three things. Wonderful things that happen when we pray powerful prayers. And the first is this. We get God's attention. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And it's not just his ears that we get. If you carry on the passage, he says, my eyes will be on you and my heart will be with you. It's like all of his senses are awakened to who we are and what we are and what our needs are and what's going on in our lives. That is amazing. I mean, let's never get amazed at the fact that when we pray, the God of the universe listens. He stops. That's Peter praying. What's he asking for? He's sensitive, sensitized to all of your needs. Isn't that amazing? He might not go down in history as the greatest president of the United States. But he should surely go down as one of the greatest people who were ever a president of the United States. Jimmy Carter and his wife, Rosalind, were in the White House from 1977 to 1981. Shortly before he became president, there was a group of people who lived near where he lived in Georgia, where about 40% of the population were living in poverty. And that little group of people decided that they were going to do something about it. And they formed a group called Habitat. And they started to build and renovate homes for the poor people around them. When Jimmy Carter and his wife Rosalind came out of the White House, they found out about Habitat and the needs of Habitat. And it was like they were sensitized to the needs of what was going on all around them. Jimmy Carter actually lost a a business. They went bankrupt uh, because of his presidency and and what happened as a result of all of that. Um, But he gave himself to this thing of Habitat and helping to build homes. And he brought all the resources of a former president of the United States, all his contacts, all the people that wanted to get involved and give money. And they were able to do amazing things that they never even thought were possible. Up to this point, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind personally have worked alongside over 100,000 volunteers in 14 countries to build, renovate, and repair over 4,300 homes on top of all their other tireless, tireless efforts in the area of fundraising and getting resources to help people. They came to Canada last year. Do you know that one in seven households in Canada, including 735,000 children, do not have a safe and decent and affordable place to call home? Do you know that? There's a wound in our land. Last year, the Carters came to Winnipeg. 
as part of a drive with Habitat for Humanity to build 150 homes across 40 communities in Canada to mark Canada's 150th anniversary. They're great folks. Still alive, 94 and 91. After 72 years of marriage, they still live in the same home they built in the 60s, valued at $167,000. It's less expensive than the Secret Service vehicle that's parked outside. He recently taught his 800th Bible school class. He's taught it every other Sunday since he came out of office at the local Baptist church, Maranatha Baptist Church, where he lives in Georgia. And people go the night before to line up to get into his classes. Presidential couple who never lost the common touch, became attentive and sensitized to the needs of the world around them, accessing and releasing an unprecedented amount of resources into this humble new outreach ministry in Georgia, which is now affecting the world as a result. God is like that. When we pray these powerful prayers, it's like God becomes sensitized to all our needs and all of the riches of the glories of all that he is in heaven become available to the people who will pray these prayers. It's amazing. Our resources are unending because our God is unending. And he's sensitized to your needs and my needs when we call out to him. The first thing that happens as a result of powerful prayers is that we get God's attention. What's the second thing? This is also amazing. We get God's forgiveness. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins. And we have to understand the depth of the sin that God is saying he's going to forgive because he knows what's going to happen. These people got so deceived. They got so far away from God and God's word and God's ways, worshiping other idols and not only worshiping them, but sacrificing their own children to those idols. Can you imagine the horror of that? Kind of waking up one day and realizing, oh my goodness, what have I done? Suddenly realizing that what you thought was normal isn't normal at all. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right. And what does a parent think in a day like that? God will never hear my prayers again. That is so utterly horrible. God will never hear my prayer again. But God says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. There's no sin anywhere in this room that anyone has committed that God cannot forgive you of if you will ask him. If there was a sin like that, we would have to say that what Jesus did on the cross was not a perfect work. And we can never say that what Jesus did on the cross was not a perfect work. Covers all our sins. Second result of powerful praying, we get God's forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? We need it again and again, don't we? Keep turning back to the Lord. That's what his people did. Just kept turning back, going away, messing up. 
getting under sin, turning back. Last thing, what happens when we pray powerful prayers? We get God's healing. This word for healing means this, to stitch up, to mend. It speaks of a wound that's been so broken open that there's no amount of trying to slap it back together that's going to make it heal. It needs help to heal. You need a master physician who's going to take a needle and he's going to take a thread or whatever and he's going to stitch that thing together so that it's able to heal from one end to the other. Don't leave anything apart to bring it to healing. That's what this word healing means. God says, how deep are your wounds? God says, how deep are your nation's wounds? Do they look as though they are unhealable? Do the wounds in your life look as though they're unhealable? Do the wounds in Canada from sea to sea and shore to shore look like they're unhealable? If my people who will call by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will heal their sin and I will stitch up their land. This thing of prayer is powerful. You can change a nation when you pray. We can change a nation when we pray. That's what it is. Corporate prayer together. So what does that mean for us today? Where are you at? You might be thinking I'm in that place, Peter, where I'm so far away from God. I don't even know if he's going to answer or even listen to me again. Can I encourage you? He will never turn a deaf ear to you if you turn your voice to him. You might be in a place of saying, you know, I, I, I want to pray. I, I just, uh, you know, I hear about it or whatever, but I don't know that, you know, things get in the way and whatever. Well, let's pray today that God encourages us in our discipline in prayer and just to be able to, I, I, what helps me is praying together. I can pray on my own, but I'm not the best prayer on my own. I always pray better when I pray with other people. That's what helps me to pray. Get in a group, get amongst people that can pray for you. You might have heard some things this morning and it was for you like it was for me back in whenever that was, 1970 something, I'm not even going to guess. When God spoke that word into my heart, something gripped me and I thought something's changed like forever in here. I never wanted to pray before, but I want to pray now because I believe God can change things. And if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you particularly. I want to actually get some of our seasoned prayers to pray with you in particular. I got some batons here. Because one of the things that we wanted as a goal out of this time of, of preaching about prayer over these next few weeks is that there will be a generational transfer of prayer to a whole other generation who understand that they can't do anything without prayer. Nothing is accomplished unless it starts in prayer. And you can put all your effort in and all the great passion of your life into all sorts of different things, which is wonderful. But the best thing you can do is pray. And I want to, I'm going to do something here. Sorry, I'm going to call on some people. Terry, would you come? Yeah, come Terry. Ruth, would you come? 
John Fowl, would you come? Okay, there's a little bit of a picture here. Okay, These are all seasoned prayers who've seen the Lord answer prayer after prayer after prayer over the years. If you would like to receive a baton of prayer today, I'm talking to the young people, but I'm also talking to all of us. You're saying, yeah, I want to receive a baton of prayer. I'm sure these folks would love to pray for you this morning. 